Welcome to the Hot Log Podcast. Kevin Acey, Potter's beat writer for the Union Tribune. Ryan Finley, sports editor for the Union Tribune. Ah, here we are. Here we are. Probably uh, second to last hot lava. Who knows how many uh, we'll have in the offseason. We'll have a follow-up one. But here we are. Padres, White Sox. You thought maybe this would be the one where, hey, where are they going to be going afterward? What wild card series will they be in? Or will they be going back to host a wild card series or what have you? But that dream. Well, Ryan, I, I can't say it died. It's like it will not die. The the dream scenario of uh, Padres fans, it will not die. It will not die. Kevin, uh, just like we drew this up in March and April, uh, the Padres could be waiting for a uh, Monday resumption of a ninth inning baseball game between the Marlins and Mets to see who goes to the playoffs. And which team will be going to the playoffs? Probably not the Mets, um, the Marlins. <laughs> what a weird year. And, and Kevin, if you subscribe to the San Diego Sports Curse, I don't know that I do. I should, but I don't. Um, the the fact that they're stretching this out and they're going to make this as agonizing as possible is right in line with the San Diego sports curse. The Padres need to win out. They need to hope that both the Cubs and the Marlins lose out and that the Reds don't, uh, don't win their series. Right. Yes. Uh, and Ke- Kevin, take us through those scenarios. Uh, what's well, going on and, and what kind of a factor is the weather? Well, the- basically, they need all of those things to happen. And the reason that we were talking about the Marlins and, and the Mets maybe resuming a game on Monday is if uh, – take the Padres out of it here. Uh, but if the uh, Marlins, who last night were trailing 1-0 going into the ninth – they went up 2-1, and you saw the rain coming down. At first I was watching, I'm like, is that rain? Yeah, those guys' helmets are wet. And then pow, a deluge uh, at City Field uh, in Queens, and they suspended the game. So they will make that up if they have to based on what happens this weekend, uh, where the Marlins are now holders of – because the Cubs lost yesterday. The Marlins now – technically hold the final wild card spot, but that will get sorted out this weekend. Or maybe they'll play four more outs in uh, New York on, on Monday to, to determine that. But the Padres need there to be a multi-team tie, basically. Um, they, because already the Cubs and are at 82 wins, which is the most the um, Padres can get to. The Marlins are at 82 wins, so it, it would be at least a three-team tie, and the Padres would win that tiebreaker. The Reds get to 82, the Padres win that tiebreaker. Uh, anybody gets to 83. The next team to win, basically, well, not the Reds. They need two more, I believe, but the Marlins and the um, Cubs. The next team to win eliminates the Padres. Or when the Padres lose and now they can only get to 81 wins, then they're eliminated. Right. Good times, Kevin. Good times. If the Cubs could catch a fly ball, uh, we, we wouldn't have been in this situation. And again, not to not to give too much of a, glim- of a uh, glimpse into our world, but Kevin, I've been sitting on a column from Bryce Miller about the Padres and, and what went wrong on the way to them being eliminated. And it seems like every day since what about Tuesday, uh, we've had to go hold the column and, uh, this is just where we're at at this point in the season. What a yeah. weird, weird season top to bottom. And, and, and I think that there's some people on the Padres who, like, not that they're going to call the season a success, right? right? But but they are sort of, like, puffing up the chest a little bit. Not I don't want to misportray it, but, like, they're pointing out that, hey, you know, for as bad as we were, here we were. And I'm my answer back to them is, yeah. For as bad as those other teams, one of which is going to be in the playoffs, are here you are. Like, to me, that's what this is pointing out, right? Right. 
Like right. that didn't it, take too much it, effort to make the playoffs. You right. should have. At first, we're thinking 87. I was writing that. And as the Padres, you know, who haven't been, if they get to 500, it'll be the first time since May if they win tonight. So, like, it was like, oh, 87. If they can get to 87. And I remember in, in my newsletters kind of mapping that out, you know, what that might look like. And then I was like, oh, 85 will do it. 84 will do it. 83 wins is probably what will do it. Are you kidding me? You couldn't get to 83 wins. Um, and and to get even close, you had to be on this stretch where you are, uh, what, 11 of 13 you have won. I think they've won 17 of 24. If they win the next two games, it'll be their second best month in franchise history, you know, winning percentage, you know, other than a month where they played like five games or eight games, um, you know, a legit month with 20 plus games to be their second best ever. And it took that, which we, gosh, with this team, we would have expected that maybe once or twice this year. Right. Mm-hmm. But it took that at the end to even for us to even be like talking, it feels silly to be talking about playoffs at this point. Kevin, what was the, do you remember offhand what the preseason sort of over under was on Padre wins? Was it I mean, like still, one or something? Okay. So they'll finish probably 10 games worse than expectation mm-hmm. in terms of Vegas expectation. Um, and again, it took an incredible run when they were basically out of it. Right. And that's the thing, Kevin. And I've been thinking a lot about this in the last week or so as we talk about what has gone wrong this season and what they have to build toward next year. Um, this was not a team that was built to make the playoffs as the second wildcard team even, right? This was a team that had championship expectations which i would argue you can do as the second wild card team okay okay but this i would was argue a team that just get in that but go ahead okay yeah. but this was a team that that thought it was built to not only win its division mm-hmm. which it's not going to come close to doing um i mean it's the, the padres uh, if they're lucky they'll finish third um it, to not only win their division but to make a deep playoff run and instead they're sort of scratching and clawing to get the you know of the final wild card spot in a national league where not a whole lot of teams are trying. Kevin, tell me what the Marlins did at the trade deadline to get better. Trade for Jake Berger and get rid of Garrett Cooper. Yeah. Tell me what the Diamondbacks did to get better. I mean, yeah. Mm, well, the Diamondbacks this... got themselves a closer they needed. Um, sure. They, they got Tommy Pham. But your point is that mm-hmm. if trade deadline is the barometer, what did they, are they trying? I would say arguably they, they're trying more than they have in the past because they used to sell. Um, And they made what they did is what this sixth wild card, the extra wild card, and then making it a series, which is huge versus Mm -hmm. just one game. So it wasn't just adding one team. It was actually if you got in the playoffs, you had a chance to be in a series uh, Mm -hmm. and it made everybody kind of look around, take stock of where was that middle. Right. And, hey, we can get there with this. Like we're not out of it from the start, you know, back like the old days. And, and so I, you're, you're right. Like there wasn't like this great maneuvering. Look what the Mariners did basically uh, and over in the American league. And, and then they took off. I like this. I do. I think this, I understand what a quote unquote travesty it would be. I'm watching the Marlins last night going, dude, you guys suck. Like in terms of they're last in the league in runs, um, they just don't have, they're not dangerous. They play good team baseball. They do. And they pitch, they pitch and they've found ways to win. So do respect. But in terms of like a playoff powerhouse, but they could get super hot and win the world series. Not going to happen, but they could. And I get that's a travesty. 
But I think this is awesome what you created in September. I do. I love it. I, I agree. I agree. And, and that's the thing, Kevin. It's so funny. The way this is going to end, you know, this the odds say that this is going to end with the Padres not making the playoffs. Like 7,800 to like one. Yes. Right. 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 I mean, you've got to do. And again, there's 10 games remaining, nine games uh, featuring the other teams. Right. So 10 games remaining. And in one of those games, the team is ahead, essentially going to the bottom of the ninth inning. <laughs> right. Against well, the team if, that might not like you could see, hey, um, who can make it tomorrow? Like the Mets, you know, yeah. after Sunday's game, who, who could be here tomorrow? <laughs> How many people are going to be in the stands for that game? I mean, I hope this happens, Kevin. Uh, but uh, by the way, can you fly to New York from Chicago uh, pretty quickly Sunday night? Um, oh, so funny. Uh, but I mean, again, you, just talking about this, even if we say that these are all coin flip games and they're not coin flip games right. because the playoff teams are going to the playoff contending teams are trying harder and are better than their opponents this week. Even if these are coin tosses, you're going to need nine coin tosses to land heads. If you're the Padres, you're going to need to win all three of your games. And then you're going to need to hope that the Mets score at least two runs in the bottom half of the ninth and win. That's those are long, long odds. Right. right. And, and from my standpoint, Kevin, it's frustrating as hell because now what if they had found three more wins over the course of six months? I'm revisiting that either tomorrow or Sunday. The 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 list of 25 games. I mean, I, I know all the stats that are out there, the one-run games, extra inning games. Um, uh, to me, there's even more than that in terms of games that could have been won. You could even argue should have been won. So, I yes, that's what you're saying is, wow. Like, wow. Yeah. How many series did they lose to, to teams that had no business beating them? Um, you know, just that – kind of stuff i think during what's going to be a long off season here if you're a padre fan you probably sit around lamenting the fact not necessarily that they didn't win the division but that they couldn't have scared up a handful of wins that would have gotten them into the playoffs i and and so that's where we're at uh that's where we're at and that's what they need to examine of why like i hate like whose fault right like um I want to point out something. There's been a lot of talk about the Padres roster being top heavy. And I think that the, the premise is okay, but the term is, is not because the Dodgers are top heavy, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So, and they're, they, uh, if they win two of three, they'll have a hundred wins. They'll, they are going to have a buy in the uh, postseason again. And Mm -hmm. I mean, so that there's nothing wrong with being like heavy at the top. I guess top heavy can hurt you if you're not heavy enough at the top. And turns out the big four wasn't big enough. So, uh, and, and Jake Cronenworth, because you would, they would have uh, liked you to call it the big four and a half, right? right. Uh, they would have loved that uh, because that's what they thought that they would have. Um, so I just will push, I push back a little bit on the whole top heavy thing because it's like, you know what? The, the Dodgers have four guys with a hundred plus RBIs. Yeah. Uh, that's top heavy. Okay. Look at the rest of their, their, their lineup from day to day. So there's not really anything right. wrong with that. The close games, the uh, playing poorly when they're behind the bullpen being what I will call overtaxed, not overworked, but too many stressful innings. And then they gave up some things. You've got, you've got to look at uh, managerial decisions uh, in some crucial games. Was there enough sure. urgency being played with? Do you have to look at the players in terms of the urgency that was uh, 
not played with. Um, and that that is what cost them. And like you said, three games, three. That's amazing. Three games. And and Kevin, again, you know, it's it's funny how franchises, and then we will get into the Padres franchise here. Franchises that are run well and franchises that make good decisions oftentimes aren't at the whim of things like injuries or a bad season from somebody. The Los Angeles Dodgers, Kevin, are going to win 100 games with Dustin May out, Walker Bueller out, Julio Urias out. If you want to go back to somebody who should be on their roster this year, but was kicked off the team, Trevor Bauer out. I mean, this is a team that has endured a, a horrible rash of injuries, uh, a, a had to kick Urias essentially off the team for a domestic violence incident, went and found Evan Phillips essentially on the waiver wire. And because of the, I think, sort of good institutional moves that have been made, are still going to win 100 games in a pretty darn good league. And when we talk about the Padres, I, I don't think you can say that the Padres have made a ton of great institutional decisions this year. And you had a story that ran earlier this week about the continuing tension between Bob Melvin and A.J. Preller. Some of that stems from roster construction. Some of that stems from disagreements over the way some players are used and overall different personalities. Kevin, you take these stories incredibly seriously. Walk me through your decision to write it and what you think uh, the story may may lead to. Well, I'd start with my decision to not write it for so long, Um, wanting to let it develop, wanting to see where the Padres went, wanting to make sure that I had uh, come close to. I don't know if as a reporter you ever feel like you've asked enough questions or enough people, you know, exhausted everything, but that you you talk to enough people and you got kind of a, a full picture. And, you know, it was evolving up until almost the end in terms of we have uh, Peter Seidler's health. Uh, and and how involved he is uh, and kind of decisions that are being made and communications internally. And so evolving right up to the end that um, there will be a meeting coming up on Monday in which, uh, you know, AJ Preller, Bob Melvin will be involved and the discussions will be how they can go forward because it, it, it is broken. The relationship, Uh, there's a, a lack of communication that I think many people believe uh, but I think many people on both sides believe stems from AJ Preller more than anything because of a lack of communication, you know, skills or wanting to or, or whatever. And then the disagreement has just sort of mushroomed into both men probably, you know, not giving it their all to to try to make it happen. So um, and that happens and they're not the only general manager and manager to have feuded. This one has gotten to a point, and that answers your question of why was it written. Um, this one is just – there's a lot of people saying that it is irreconcilable. I think that's a – I don't happen to believe in that term. Uh, I understand when people believe that and that they – give in to that. I do. I do. I just don't happen to believe in it. And I don't think that Peter Seidler does or Eric Gruppner does. Um, And I don't think that either one of these men is prepared to walk away for various reasons. They both have a lot to lose. And one of those things is they both believe that this is a team that could win next year uh, with some tweaks and some better luck and all that sort of thing. Uh, Maybe come together on some decisions 
Uh, and so I don't think either one of them wants to walk away, but I don't think either one of them wants to work in these current conditions either. Well, and you had made a great point, I think, to me privately, Kevin, is that there's only so many of these jobs in baseball. Yeah. And first and foremost, A.J. Preller wants to remain the president of baseball operations for the Padres. And Bob Melvin, we think, wants to remain the manager of the San Diego. To do both of those things would require both men to meet somewhere in the middle. Um, is are, are these men capable of that? Bob Melvin's 63 years old. A.J. Preller has been very successful, um, certainly gotten to the top of the Padres chain of command doing things a certain way. Uh, is there a want to meet in the middle? Do we think I I'll, t- I'll answer it this way since I'm not trained clinically and I'm not inside either one of their heads. What I will, but I do believe that I'm probably uh, in a unique position to, to know wh- where they're both at as much as, as, as a lot of people uh, for anyone. Sometimes it comes down to this is your only choice. So um that's that that may be the only thing that gets it done and guess what that happens a lot that that probably happens it's happened in my life um a few times and i don't think anyone would really ever know that there was a time that i had to make a certain choice mm-hmm. and now whatever the next year the next couple years it's like oh well, i never would have known that you you had you were in a bad way and had to make a certain choice what i'm saying is this they could have to make this choice. They're in a bad way, and next year they could win the World Series. I I firmly believe that. Um, let's always remember. Here's another reason that I I waited. In in some cases, in, in some way of looking at it, I waited more than a year to write this story mm-hmm. because I'm aware I cover one team. I know it as well as anyone on the outside, but I cover one team. I do not know what the relationship between the general manager and the manager of the Diamondbacks is, general manager and the manager of the Tigers is. Maybe I hear things, but I don't know it as intimately as I know this one, so I can't do an apples-to-apples comparison. So to be responsible, I need to get some context. Um, But still, we all don't know. We're not reading. I get the – I'll get emails all the time. Um, I got them during this period here. Why isn't Peter Seidler talking? And, um, you know – I, I to a couple of people that were persistent. I said, check out the other newspapers around the league. How many owners do you see talking? We've been spoiled here. Okay. Um, now I was trying to talk around it a little bit, protect Peter a little bit, but, but it didn't make it untrue. Like we don't pay attention to other teams. Like we pay attention to the Padres. So the Padres problems seem bigger than they are maybe are the Padres when they play well we think their players are better than they are we lose perspective constantly so this is I do not want to undersell this they are in a bad way right now this is a dysfunctional situation but it is fixable Uh, uh, Bud Black Dave uh who uh Pat Murphy Dave Roberts Pat Murphy sure go ahead (laughs) Andy Green, Rod Barajas, Jace Tingler, Bob Mill. Completely unfair, but go on. <laughs> you could, to, All to, of put, the, to put Pap, to, I'll, I'll, I'll say completely unfair before Jace Tingler. Gotcha. Okay. Fair, now, fair now, now, let me say this. But then, yes, t- like if you were going to fire Bob Melvin, that's three managers in, in uh, four years, and that's crap. 
Like, right? Like, like that is bad enough. But I, I push back on going back to a manager you inherited, two interims, a, another manager who you were never going to keep after the rebuild because that just doesn't happen. And then his interim. And when you start talking about how, whatever it is, 47 managers AJ Preller's had, I will push back on that all day. That is not fair, especially when right in front of us is his screw up on Jace Tingler. And this situation with Bob Melvin, why do we have to go back to, I'm taking my anger out on you, Ryan, and That's I apologize, That's but fine. I, 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 my number one things are, are, well, truth, context, and perspective. Why the hell am I mad at my wife for something she did a month ago when she just did something today? Like, and I'm now I'm holding it all against her. I'm a yeah. jackass if I'm doing that. So I have right. a huge problem with it. Okay. That said, did I, did I make that at all clear? Do you have any question about how I feel about that? That said, this is not a matter of AJ Preller not getting along well with Bob Melvin uh-huh. uh, because they're just different guys, right? right? This is not men are from Mars, women are from Venus, right? Um, how's that for a 25 year old book reference? Not, uh, not <laughs> only that, um, right. it's not only that, but it is a little that, like I made a joke. Who's the guy who wrote the marriage book about like men here in blue and women here in pink yeah, and yes. stuff. And it's totally valid. And honest to God, I think it applies here to some extent. Right. But there have been personality clashes yes. with Andy green, who okay. is, who, who is at least more in line with AJ Preller in terms of, age perhaps maybe a little bit seen as less of an old school baseball guy than Bob Melvin. Mm-hmm. They bring in Jace Tingler. Jace Tingler was thought to be an extension of a, of AJ Preller on the field. Uh-huh. Maybe his best friend in baseball or a close friend in baseball. Uh-huh. These Padres problems have persisted yes. kind of regardless of who has been in that manager chair. That is not to forgive Bob Melvin, but is there any thought that replacing the manager's, going to make a difference if now they've had different managers with different backgrounds and it just hasn't worked great points absolutely great points um and and the point i have made is if you are going to get rid of bob melvin it's like the most crucial hire ever and it has to be um it has to be overseen and there have to be more importantly changes to how that dynamic works there or or an alignment. And, you know, just because AJ Preller hires a manager who's aligned with him doesn't necessarily mean he's hiring a yes man. Right. It, we it, all, it, you, yeah, you and I talked about this on the phone this week. Um, if I'm hiring somebody, I want to hire somebody who, who shares some of my vision, right? Not somebody who's going to do what I ask all the time but somebody who understands what the hell I'm driving at. That's not a yes man. That's hiring somebody who's aligned with you. Right. right. And, and could there be a fine line and whatever? We'll all have our opinions, but spot on, Ryan. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, you, you know, you want to do that. You don't want to hire somebody who's going to challenge you at every turn for the sake of challenging you. That's a pretty miserable way to go through life. Or, right. Yeah. Right. Or yeah. Or just not, um, you know, not just not agree or, or whatever. And I'm not making a comment about what Bob Melvin, I'm not in these meetings at all. I'm just saying that the, the perception uh, that is being relayed is that they're not, they're not hearing each other. They're not, you know, 
<laughs> yeah, it's it's just not a, a two-way street that it needs to be and and that that's what needs to be worked out. And the you know, you made points by my my pushing back, I was pushing back on on one argument that I just don't think needs to be made. When you have the idea of Jace Tingler and Bob Melvin right here in front of us, and you can go back a little bit to Andy Green. Um, there were, you know, and I, Andy Green is one of my uh, favorite people that I've ever covered or worked with, but there were faults there as well. Um, and I have a, and Andy Green thing is he just wasn't going to last through this whole thing anyway. But the idea that you would then bring in Jace Tingler and have that fall apart on you um, in two years, and then you would bring in Bob Melvin and just all the dynamics around that, uh, the closeness of Tingler, the experience of Melvin, and neither one has worked like, yeah, that's bad. That's bad. And yeah. it needs to be fixed. Um, I also get the whole Peter Seidler wants continuity of, of the organization in terms of the things that are going well. Okay. As I closed my story, I, and I don't like to do this unless it really fits. I don't like to um, just because we ask these guys to talk a lot. Mm-hmm. Okay. Like I say things in a certain manner that sometimes I wish I'd said them differently or that I believed in the moment that I, so I, I am very judicious about when I hold your words against you, but Peter Seidler said some things about that they were going to get to the bottom of and that they felt like they had identified and vowed that those things wouldn't happen again in 2021. Mm -hmm. And as I closed my story, I brought those words back because it's happening again. Sure. That's on Peter as well. Can we talk about Peter Seidler very briefly here? And I know we don't have a ton of time left. Peter Seidler seems to be pretty universally um, respected um, within the organization and within San Diego. (laughs) This is going to sound weird. Is Peter Seidler the guy who's going, who can convince Bob Melvin and AJ Preller to meet in the middle? Can they stay together for Peter as opposed to staying together for the kids? I mean, is, could you see him taking on a larger role? Could you see, I mean, how, how do we get these two guys close together if that's the goal? That's Not just yet because of uh, the health issue and the recovery that is okay. ongoing there. And, uh, you know, not to, to disclose too much, but it's not like that's going to be done next week. So uh, not just yet, but you do have some of his uh, people that he works with in business. The the way that he basically funded uh, how his ownership of the Padres, Seidler Equity Partners, um, some trusted guys that from my understanding, I, if I've met them, then that's that's the extent of me having ever, uh, you know, run into them. I don't know them, but my understanding is they're fairly universally respected by people at the Padres uh, that have, that have actually worked with them or met them. Uh, you've got Eric Grubner. Um, it, it, the answer is yes, but also no, like, like it's going to be on these guys and yes, the people around them that are creating a new um, system of, of how this is going to work. There's a lot of good things. Like, let's just remember they went to the NLCS last year and let's just remember for as ugly and bad as it is, Like they're probably going to finish 500 or, you know, above 500. That's all. That's the only time you will hear me talk about that in a positive light. But what I'm saying is they, they aren't the white Sox who's not going to win, you know, 70 games, right? Like they're not 30 games under. um, And that's with this happening. So these are capable men who care about the Padres and it's a pretty decent roster. And you know, I, I think right. that it is overcomable. 
Right. Strong work ethic on both. I mean, Kevin, one of the points that you had in your story that ran the other day was they both appear to have this, the success of the Padres at heart, um, that they do have sort of a common cause. Um, whether that's enough, I guess we'll find out. Kevin, we'll, we'll have a pretty good idea, you would think, early next week as to where this thing's headed, correct? Yep. Will that be our next episode of the Hot Lava I think it, we should wait till after that. Otherwise, we're just going to be wrapping up all the things that we have throughout the, the the exhausting part of the season. And Bob Melvin said the other night, it feels like what I don't know if he said two or more than one season. It's like, yeah, that resonated with me. And I talked to some other people who that resonated with like April. Tatis coming back on April 20th seems like a lifetime ago. And I was here right after that. So uh, because they played in Chicago twice this year, um, like. Like it has just been, but it has provided me as like kind of the, you know, the uh, guy documenting all this ample opportunity to just dissect it and dissect it. And I feel like if we don't wait for this resolution, that's all we'll be doing on Monday again is just talking about one run losses and, you know, all that's like what went wrong. And and I so I, I just I feel like basically the only thing we're waiting for now is uh, the resolution of this issue. So what and you're trying to say, Kevin, what does that mean? Right? Like what if Bob Melvin's fired? Right? Like, you know, at this point, do? as was said in the story, if you somehow made it to 31 minutes and uh, you're that interested and you didn't read the story, I don't think that that's uh, going to gonna be the case, but uh, that it, it does appear to be heading toward what Peter Seidler's preference is. I do not know that he brought it down from on high in tablets and said, this is how it will be. Um, I think it was more, this is his preference. How are these men going to respond? His preference is that they both stay. And by the way, maybe that's not a bad way to motivate both men to meet in the middle to say, Hey, if this doesn't work, it's both of your butts next year. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, it, it's possible. Um, yeah. So Kevin, we probably will not talk until next week until okay, some more clarity. <laughs> However, there's a tiny chance that uh, we could talk from uh, City Field on Monday as the Marlins and Mets finish the ninth inning uh, with you in the stands. So. If that happens, I mean, I think that's what would be perfect is for it to go to there and the Marlins would hold on and win. Yeah. No, I didn't say the city like, sports curse. Yeah. I hate the Padres and I don't want them to be in the postseason. That'd be a heck of a lot of fun. And it'd be one of the great stories in the history of baseball because it would have never been done, this comeback. Uh, but it's just not gonna happen. No, no. And and it is your belief, and then we'll go, that what has happened the last two or three weeks has not changed the underlying issues that face this franchise. No, but you know, that's a really important thing, I think, or it could be a really important thing. Inside of that clubhouse, it it affirmed they're only human, right? Mm-hmm. They knew they were good, right? Like Manny's been reminding us that, right? But did they really? Well, now with maybe one of the best months on record in franchise history, with winning extra innings, winning close games, uh, you know, coming back to win, uh, winning eleven of thirteen. Okay, this is the team we were supposed to be. I don't believe in the momentum of the end of a season carrying over into I've seen it too often, Mm -hmm. but I do believe that this was important to the players. And guess what? They're the ones who play. We're talking about Bob Melvin, AJ Preller, blah, blah, blah. The players are the ones who play. And I believe that, that they, this is good for them to have finished this way. Beyond that, this, this doesn't change the way that anyone's looking at it. And it's just not important. Apparently jerks and profar was the key to the whole thing. 
There are people in the organization that, that believe that. Now, first off, as we have probably talked about before, Jerickson Profar opting out of his contract, that, that created a uh, you know, cascade effect, like yes. a domino of, yeah. of who did join the team. It, it also, we knew that anyone around the team didn't know that it, to the extent to which, and I'm not saying that Jurickson Profar could have saved the, the whatever sort of chemistry issues or whatever, but he was well-liked and that created a new dynamic. It's not just who came in, it's who left. Craig Stammen, uh, Eric Hosmer was not here for half the year. Jurickson Profar was not here. There's different guys that left and relationships that were gone. Um, and I do, there are people in the organization that absolutely believe that, that was at least something. And when you are talking about three games, as that was our first point, that was like my point with the story from a few weeks ago about the clubhouse and all that, is when you are talking, we are not talking about this if the big four was the big four. But when you're talking about, oh, it was three games that they missed out by, little tiny things make a difference. If they were 2% better, Kevin, 2%. There's there's your three games, 2%. 2% better, and wow, what a thing to remember. What a thing to motivate them uh, going forward, too. Like, right? Like, no detail, too small. Um, that sort of thing. Like, what a what a huge thing. Absolutely. Kevin, I'm going to go try to get 2% better. Uh, you uh, need to head down to the ballpark. Uh, that'll do it for this episode of the Hot Lava Podcast. We're coming up on 35 minutes here. The for longest in history. Seriously. For Kevin Acey, I'm Ryan Finley. We'll see you next time.